And welcome everybody to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. We are into August and we are still doing big interviews. Thank you very much. No, no. Yes, no. Pat, pat me on the back. That's fine. I'll take the narcissistic pat, pat on the back anytime. We're talking with Vice President Mike Pence. I believe this is the third time we've had him on the podcast. Uh, I can tell you for sure I've interviewed him seven times, including a day trip to Jerusalem. That was interesting. This time, though, we're on Air Force Two down to Florida to interview the VP. And boy, does he have a lot to talk about. And we have a lot to ask him. Uh, we talk about mail-in balloting in 2020. Uh, we talk about the mask situation. Joe Biden, of course. Uh, we got to talk about him. Uh, and the debates specifically with Joe Biden. And then, of course, he made some huge headlines when he talked about John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he basically said, I shouldn't say basically, he actually said this, and he called him out by name, that Chief Justice Roberts is a disappointment or has been a disappointment to conservatives. And boom, that went like a powder keg around the country, not to mention the world. So we'll get into all of that, and I'll have some analysis after the interview. Hey, by the way, uh, don't forget, you can check out all of these podcasts, mine included, obviously, on justthenews.com. It's not just my podcast. We've got John Solomon Reports uh, on, on the network, uh, Cheryl Atkinson's uh, podcast as well. And don't forget uh, the new one, Number of the Day by Scott Rasmussen. Uh, that also uh, downloadable at justthenews.com or iTunes or uh, Stitcher or uh, the Taco Bell drive through wherever you get your iTunes uh, or I say your iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts uh, out there in podcast land. All right, the vice president on the podcast today, we're going to get to that. I, I mean, I'm so excited. We got to get to a break so I can get to that because then I'll get excited and then I'll do my analysis, which I'll be really excited about because, <laughs> wait for it, it's my analysis and I get excited about talking about all of this stuff. Back in a moment on the Pod's Honest Truth. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. All right, time now for our interview with the Vice President of the United States. I think you know his name. His name is Mike Pence. Just Google him. Just type in Vice President uh, or, or type in current Vice President, and, and Mike Pence will come up. Uh, anyhow, uh, really interesting interview. And before we get to the interview, let me just say, I'm sure you want to know, what do we have on Air Force Two? Right. I mean, we traveled with the vice president, so we had a couple of meals and I'm always into, as you know, I'm always into the food. So let me just tell you right now what was on Air Force Two, what they were serving. A uh, couple of uh, egg frittatas uh, in the morning because we left at like, I don't know, 930 in the morning. So it's kind of like call it a brunch, an Air Force Two brunch. Uh, so that so that was really nice. Uh, some tomatoes uh, as well. And of course, all of the standard fruit and juice and all that stuff. So that was very nice. And then on the way back, uh, had a little uh, beef and beef and broccoli minus the broccoli. Didn't find the broccoli. I just saw the uh, like the kind of like Chinese, you know, in the Chinese restaurant there, you had the beef and then the rice, no broccoli. Um, and some beautiful uh, ice cream as well and dinner roll. It was, it was just beautiful. So there you go. Uh, that's what they're serving on Air Force Two. Your taxpayer money at work. 
Uh, speaking of working and taxpayer money, Mike uh, Pence, uh, as Donna Summer would say, working hard for the money, even though that's probably not the best analogy if you actually think about the uh, point of that song. But anyhow, pretend like I never even said that. Uh, we, we spoke to Mike Pence down in Florida, Largo, Florida. We were just there for the day, Air Force Two, boom, down to the Tampa, St. Pete area and back. Uh, 15 minutes inside a church there where he was doing uh, two different types of events. One for the SBA list, which is the Susan B. Anthony list. That's a pro-life organization. And then he did his Faith in America tour. Uh, that's part of what he's been doing the last few months or so across America to talk about religious liberty and all of that. And he was trotting out quite a few lines, including uh, a lot of stuff on Joe Biden. And specifically, he would never just say Joe Biden by himself. He would say Joe Biden and the radical left or Joe Biden and the Democrats have been hijacked by the radical left. So this is kind of the, the idea of what he's trying to do. He, he realizes that, let's be honest, uh, you know, it's hard to make Joe Biden alone the boogeyman. Now, he's not Hillary Clinton. But if you lump him in with AOC and Bernie and Antifa and all that stuff, it's going to play better. So that that's exactly what he was doing. Anyhow, Here's our interview, runs about 15 minutes or so, and we get into everything, mail-in balloting, masks, debates, Biden, Chief Justice John Roberts. That was the big headline out of the interview. Here it is on the Pod's Honest Truth. Vice President Pence, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you, David, thanks. Uh, look, on the fence, faith voters, there are some. I mean, look, you've done a lot. This administration has done a lot, but there are some on the fence, faith voters. What's the message here in Florida? It seems like you're starting to talk even more about the life issue, religious freedom as well. Uh, so talk to me about how you convince those folks that may not, not sure if they can pull that lever, if you will, in November. I think the message to Americans who cherish faith, who cherish our religious liberty, is you look at the last three and a half years, David, and it's been promises made, promises kept. President Donald Trump is the most pro-life president in American history. I mean, from the first week of our administration, this president took steps to keep the promises that he made to Americans who cherish the sanctity of life, reinstituted the Mexico City policy. We've appointed conservatives to our courts at every level. And the president signed a bill that allowed every state in the union to defund Planned Parenthood. And all along the way, it's, he's, he's been driven by a determination to keep the promises that he made to people of faith, to pro-life Americans. And also, he's been a champion of religious liberty. I mean, we, we welcomed the Supreme Court decision recently to end the assault on Little Sisters of the Poor and their conscience rights. But it was in our first year in office that President Trump took executive action to end the case against the Little Sisters of the Poor. And in one step after another, uh, he's made it clear that we're going to respect not only the freedom of religion, but the freedom of speech that takes place in churches around the country. And it's been that record on the right to life and religious liberty uh, that, I, that I'm convinced is going to earn President Donald Trump four more years from Americans of faith. Well, speaking of four more years and the life issue, what about Joe Biden and the life issue? Because, and you mentioned Joe Biden and the Democrats. You were just talking about it in there at the SBA List event. But Joe Biden has always said as a Catholic that he's personally pro-life, but professionally, politically, he's pro-choice, as he calls it. What do you make of that dichotomy, if you will, or that difference? Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have been overtaken by the radical left. And as you said, Joe Biden for years, like many Democrats, was willing to support what was known as the Hyde Amendment, which would prevent taxpayer funding from being used to pay for abortions. But now Joe Biden's even abandoned that. Joe Biden would support 
public funding of abortions. He's calling for a historic increase in funding to Planned Parenthood of America. He would appoint activist judges to our courts who would literally trample on the progress that we've made on life and religious liberties. I, I just think that the choice in this election has never been clearer, and the stakes for people who cherish life and religious liberty have never been higher. Mm -hmm. So he's beholden to the left on this issue, and many others is what you're saying. I, I, I think Joe Biden and the entire Democratic Party have been overtaken by the radical left, mm -hmm. by a, an agenda that's calling for higher taxes. In, in the middle of the worst pandemic in a hundred years, Joe Biden's actually calling for $4 trillion in tax increases, mm -hmm. even while we're seeing our economy beginning to get back on its feet. You know, at, at the height of this pandemic, we'd lost 22 million American jobs. Mm -hmm. But because of the foundation that President Trump poured in our first three years, less taxes, less regulation, uh, fair trade, unleashing American energy, we've added 7 million jobs back already to this economy. Mm -hmm. And we believe that we've got more good economic news just around the corner. Contrast that with Joe Biden's agenda of not just higher taxes, but more regulation, a $2 trillion version of the Green New Deal that would literally crush the American economy. Mm -hmm. Add all of that together, a liberal social agenda, more economic surrender on the world stage. Um, I, I think the choice is clear. We need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. I'll get back to Biden in one moment. Uh, I do want to ask you about COVID-19, but specifically as it relates to religious freedom. Uh, we saw the Nevada uh, Supreme Court decision the other day about that church. You can limit the size of people going to church, the amount of people going to church. Uh, there are many Americans, not just religious Americans, many Americans concerned about where this is going from a religious freedom standpoint as it relates specifically to COVID-19. Well, look, our, our nation has been through a very challenging time, and we're still working our way through the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. But you don't give up your constitutional liberties, even in a pandemic. And that's why, as we began to open up America again, President Donald Trump said, we've got to open up our churches. We've got to open up our places of worship. And we couldn't have been more disappointed to see a narrow Supreme Court decision that would say in the state of Nevada, that casinos can be open at one size, but churches could, can, can be open at another. Mm -hmm. I mean, Justice Gorsuch put it well. He said, there's, there's, there's no universe in which Caesar's palace should be treated differently than Calvary Chapel, but it was by the Supreme Court. And it's why for all the progress that we've made and for the more than 200 conservatives we've appointed to our courts at every level, uh, I think people that cherish religious liberty, mm -hmm. people that cherish our our values and worldview know that we need, we need more conservatives on the Supreme Court of the United States. We need President Donald Trump back in the White House for four more years so that we can build a more durable conservative majority on the Supreme Court and, and never see those kind of decisions again. Are you scratching your head a little bit on John Roberts? I mean, I'm not, we're not going to call him David Souter at this point, but conservatives have, have had a track record of having some problems with Supreme Court justices that you thought were going to be a reliable vote. Or at least when I say a reliable vote, I'm just talking about, you know, to, to adhere to conservative principles. Look, we, we have great respect for the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, but Chief Justice John Roberts has been a disappointment to conservatives, whether it be the Obamacare decision or whether it be a spate of recent decisions all the way through uh, Calvary Chapel. It, it's just, it's a reminder. And uh, 
I think several cases out of the Supreme Court are a reminder of just how important this election is for the future of the Supreme Court. We, we remember the issue back in 2016, uh, which I believe loomed large in voters' decisions between Hillary Clinton uh, and the man who would become President of the United States. And some people thought that it wouldn't be as big an issue these days, but I think that's all changed. The recent decision, and again, a narrow Supreme Court decision, striking down a Louisiana pro-life law that only said that doctors working in abortion clinics would have to have admitting privileges at local hospitals. That's a very modest restriction on abortion providers, but a narrow majority in the Supreme Court still said it was unacceptable. And I think it, it's been, I think it's been a wake-up call for pro-life voters around the country who understand in a very real sense the destiny of the Supreme Court is on the ballot in 2020. Mm. And, in, and that's why President Trump announced that he's going to publish another list of men and women from which he will draw any future appointments mm -hmm. to the Supreme Court of the United States. He did that in 2016. He kept his word. He's going to do that in the fall of 2020. And in the next four years, he'll keep his word and appoint more principled conservatives to our courts. Before I get to some other topics, I, I do want to ask about COVID-19 as, as it relates to masks. Uh, obviously, put on the mask. It's a recommendation. Right. Should do it. But, but this idea that some states, some governors have gone to the point of fining, potentially arresting people, if you're not gonna put on a mask, your reaction? Well, look, I, I think it's, we live in a time when it's always a good idea to wear a mask. Because um, every American has a, a part to play in slowing the spread and flattening the curve, particularly in the states where we've seen rising cases in the last month. The good news is here in Florida and all across the Sun Belt, David, we're actually seeing cases beginning to decline, hospitalizations and emergency room visits are declining. And I think that's a, a testament to strong leadership at the state level to all the support we're providing in testing and medical supplies and additional medicines known as therapeutics. But it's also a testament to the fact that the American people uh, when given the information, are able to put the health of family members and neighbors uh, and all those they encounter first. I mean, people know that in these challenging times, it's a good idea to wash your hands on a regular basis, practice good hygiene, uh, wear a mask when social distancing is not possible, um, or when it's indicated by state and local authorities. And the president and I have taken the position from very early on that we uh, we believe in state and local control. Uh, we want to be respectful of state and local decision makers. But I, I honestly believe the progress that we're making across the Sun Belt today mm -hmm. and even what we're seeing where there was some positive cases emerging across the heartland, those are beginning to stabilize now at an early level. I think it's a testament to the American people who are putting into practice all those common sense principles that are really the pathway toward us putting this coronavirus in the past. You want state and local officials to, in essence, make those decisions. That makes sense, federalist approach. At the same time, are you concerned about some of the infringement on people to say, look, if, if they decide not to wear a mask, uh, they're gonna be fined or, or imprisoned even, especially fined? Or well, I, I can't say. Yeah. 
I can't see being criminally prosecuted. Right, but but fine. But I, but uh, but look, uh, we we want to defer to state and local authorities because, okay. David, one of the things that we that we learned early on was this was never going to be a one size fits all national response. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reason we had success first in the Northwest, then. In, in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, New Orleans, Detroit, and now this, the, the, the beginning of success that we're seeing even across the Sun Belt is because at the President's direction, we've really made sure to focus resources and mitigation efforts at the point of the need. We flowed testing resources, PPE, therapeutics, and that continues to be the approach that we're taking here. But because it's not a one-size-fits-all art, our desire is to respect local officials. Uh, we, we, but I, I, I hold the view. Uh, the American people, when given the information about the nature of an outbreak in their community and the way that they can put the health of others first, the American people always respond with compassion and common sense. The election in Biden, and then we're done. Uh, the 2020 election, we've heard a lot about mail-in balloting. Yeah. People need to understand the difference between absentee balloting and mail-in balloting, especially, especially massive mail-in balloting. But if 2020 comes around and all of a sudden there is massive mail-in balloting, is it a fair election? I mean, there, there seems to be a, a lot of concern about whether or not the results are going to be haphazard at best. David, we have a long tradition in this country of absentee balloting, and the American people know the difference between that and the kind of universal mail-in voting that's being advocated by Democrat governors around the country. I mean, with absentee balloting, you have to apply for a ballot, you have to give a reason, your signature is checked, there's great integrity to that voting system. But actually, as you saw the state of Nevada earlier this week, Democrat governors around the country, using the excuse of the coronavirus pandemic, are talking about mailing ballots to literally everyone in their state, with no safeguard for the integrity of the process. And we're still in Nevada, they also legalize what's called vote harvesting, which is one person can walk into a voting place with an armload of ballots that came from who knows where, drop them on the table. And when you think about the price that's been paid for this democracy, the, the lives that have, uh, have been laid down to defend uh, our republic, um, that, that principle of one person, one vote is at the center of our, of our democracy and we've got to defend it. That's why you're going to see this president and our administration head straight to the courthouse. Uh, we're going to oppose universal mail-in voting even while we, we encourage and respect the great tradition of absentee balloting. And we're going to win that fight. I truly do believe it. We're going to lean into the courts at every level. We're going to have a free and fair election, and we're going to reelect President Donald Trump for four more years. Joe Biden and his cognitive function. Look, it's out there. He's been asked about it. Look, he, he's had a reputation as a gaffe machine, and that's not my words. It's his words. He admits it. But this seems to be a bit different. Have you, you've known Joe Biden. I mean, are you noticing a difference? I know you're not a doctor. You might, and you don't even play one on television. But... What is your sense of, of what's going on, what you've heard from him? Well, what, what I know looking on at this election is that we need to have presidential debates. Hmm. We're already hearing some leading liberal voices in the media, mm -hmm. some 
leading liberal Democrat activists, they're actually advocating that we would have a presidential election without debates. They're suggesting that Joe Biden take a pass on debates. And, and I, 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 you know, look, um, I understand that President Donald Trump is a formidable debater, and he won every one of those presidential debates in the last election, hands down. I expect he will again. But look, the American people are entitled to see two people who are applying for the job of leader of the free world on the stage together. And, and my message, I, I, I knew Joe Biden over the years, and I, I, can't, I can't speak to, to uh, some of what's being discussed about him today. But the antidote is to be on that stage, to square up, to be willing to debate President Donald Trump. The American people deserve nothing less. Vice President Pence, thank you so much. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. That is Mike Pence, the Vice President of the United States here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Big thanks to uh, Mike Pence. I guess they'll be sending us the bill uh, for our trip on Air Force Two, but that's fine. Hey, uh, all's fair in uh, love and politics. Uh, so so we'll, we'll take the hit on that. Uh, not a problem to do the interview with the VP. Hey, a couple of observations from the interview. Uh, once again, one of the big themes, and we'll get to John Roberts in a moment because I know that was the big, uh, the big takeaway or the big uh, news that came out of the interview. But it was very interesting to watch Mike Pence time and time again talk about Joe Biden and the radical left. And I know I mentioned that uh, at the top, but, but let's, not, let's not forget that this is going to have to be the bread and butter. Uh, if you look at uh, the way the base, especially white evangelicals, saw Hillary Clinton, 70% of white evangelicals had a bad taste in their mouth, uh, according to Pew Research. They did not, they disapproved of Hillary Clinton, 70%. When it comes to Joe Biden, only 61% uh, disapprove of him. So he is not the boogeyman, if you will, that Hillary Clinton was. And, and the uh, Trump campaign understands this. Uh, so they're going to have to go with a different tactic this time around. That's why you see Joe Biden and the radical left. That's the line uh, that you'll hear not just uh, the vice president use, but also the president of the United States too. Now, as for the John Roberts, uh, uh, as for the John Roberts line, I got to tell you, I, I was floored uh, that Mike Pence would actually say that. Typically, he uh, is he plays it pretty close to the vest. Look, uh, you know, it's kind of vanilla, if you will, and I say that with all due respect and love. He's a very disciplined uh, politician. Uh, and so typically he won't go there, but he said the quiet part out loud. And I'll be honest with you, it was a smart move. I mean, whether whether or not you think it was done intentionally or not, you know, and let's be honest. I mean, you're not going to say those lines or that line without thinking about what you're saying. Uh, but it showed that this administration, this Trump campaign understands that judges are not only extremely important, but that the base has had it with John Roberts. And the fact that Mike Pence would say specifically by name that John Roberts was a disappointment to conservatives makes the two simpatico, makes the base and uh, the, the president and the vice president 
simpatico with this idea that John Roberts has totally left the reservation. He's off the reservation for sure. And that could potentially help uh, even spur on some more enthusiasm in 2020, which is exactly what the Trump campaign is going to need. So if you think about it, this might have been the best thing uh, that, that actually happened during the interview, of course, for the Trump campaign, which is that judges and John Roberts specifically by name uh, got called out because if they can push judges and with Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, not in the best health, uh, I got to tell you, it it worked in 2016. It'll have to work again in 2020 uh, if they're going to have a shot at a second term. So I say all of that simply to say that, folks, that is the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. America.